Please be seated. Let me uh, offer you this just logistically going forward. Going forward, we are not going to just one service. This is just for today only, where we thought it would be fun for all. If it was up to me, I'd love to see us go to three services, but we're not moving towards one service. This is just so we'd all have the chance to be together today for the meal and this worship service. So this is today only. Next Sunday, back to our regular schedule, 8.30 and 11 for the services with Sunday school in between. So avail yourselves of that. Let me share with you this. Our chancel choir will be singing at the Anchor Church. The Anchor Church, new church start here in Wilmington, has their offices in the basement of our church. This will be keeping with our outside-the-walls ministry that we offer. I know this is going to be a tremendous blessing uh, for the anchor, for this new congregation to have our choir singing there. Amen? And I think it's also going to be a rich source of blessing for the choir to get to sing in this unique setting. I believe they're still worshiping outside, aren't they? So I think that's going to be a rich, a rich blessing for our choir uh, as well. Let me make you aware of our Sunset Park end-of-year lunch on June 14th, 1230, over at Sunset Park Elementary School. Read about that, how you can plug in. number of things in our grace notes, uh, opportunities for ministry, Feel free to jump uh, in the middle of those going forward. Our theme for today is how that God blesses us, not in the absence of challenges, but in the face of challenges. That's our theme for today. The pastor announced at the beginning of the worship service There'll be a meeting of the church board immediately following the worship service. The worship service came and went and the board gathered in the back of the sanctuary for the announced meeting. And there was a lady that joined them that no one knew. First Sunday there, no one had ever seen her before. So the pastor thought he would break the awkward moment and say, Well, ma'am, so glad that you worship with us today. But you did hear us announce, did you not, that this is a meeting for the church board. And she said, well, yes, I did, but after hearing that sermon, I figured I was as bored as anybody else. <laughs> Just one of our occupational hazards. We all do have our challenges, don't we? The thing today is challenge. God blesses us in the face of our challenges, not in their absence. That theme rings throughout Scripture. I want you to put you in memory how that God allowed His people that He had chosen to remain in slavery for Egypt for 400 years. That's a challenge. Once they were freed from slavery, where is it that God freed them to? God freed them from captivity of slavery in Egypt to go into the desert. Now there's a challenge for you. Or how about this one? When David was anointed king by God's prophet, 
He did not have a peaceful ascent from there to the throne. No, Saul was still king. Even though God had said, you will not be king anymore, Saul disagreed squarely with that, decided to remain king, tried to kill David how many different times. And when David for years was not contending for his very life with Saul, he was fighting some of his own people, people from other neighboring tribes, it was a challenge. It was not a smooth ascent for David to the throne by any stretch of the imagination. Yet God blessed him in the face of the challenge. God blesses in the face of challenge, not in the absence of challenge. Grace Church has been blessed across the years. Formed as a church in 1797, more about that in a moment. But we have been blessed from then until now, not in the absence of challenges, but in the face of challenges. I want to read to you from the journal of Francis Asbury. To share with you who that was, Francis Asbury was, along with Thomas Coke, were the first two bishops consecrated as bishops by John Wesley himself of the Methodist church. Francis Asbury would come to America to spread the gospel here. He rode over 275,000 miles on horseback to tell somebody about Jesus in the late 1700s was the most well-known face in America in his day. As you can imagine, there weren't a whole lot of places traveling that far that he didn't preach. Well, Wilmington was one of those places where he preached. This before there was an established church that would become Grace Church in the Methodist family of churches. This was a place where the itinerant circuit rider, horseback riding Methodist preachers would stop to preach and hold revival meetings. It was here in Wilmington. Well, Francis Asbury preached here several times in Wilmington. He has a journal entry from 1785 and he writes this about his then most recent trip to preach in Wilmington. Here's what he said. Here, talking about Wilmington, I found a kind people. But the preachers had left, would not stay with them because they did not immediately join in fellowship. They wouldn't go to church. He goes on. Perhaps I was called this way to Wilmington to feel for souls in and around and about Wilmington. If we had men and money, it would be well to station a preacher in such places as Wilmington. That was what burned in his heart. But there were challenges along the way. He couldn't find preachers that would come and stay. Well, the desire of his heart would soon be answered. There was a young man who had served as a missionary to the West Indies. His name was William Meredith. He let it be known by, to a Methodist preacher over in the Bladen County area in his day that he would be willing to do what it took to come and start a permanent church 
in Wilmington. He was so convinced of this that he purchased a lot measuring 60 feet by 60 feet off of Walnut and 2nd Street, not far from where we're sitting right now. William Meredith, though not an ordained Methodist pastor, served as a missionary, applied to Francis Asbury for admission as a Methodist pastor, but died before that actually came to be. He willed that lot to Francis Asbury for the purpose of establishing a church, a Methodist church. And on that lot was built a building, an artist rendering. You can see the pictures. That, well, you probably can't see them from where you're sitting. I hope you'll come look at them after the service. But the one the furthest away from me is an artist rendering of the early seven, of the first Beth building that was built on that lot that became Front Street Methodist Church. On Christmas Eve, 1797, a group of leaders met and the place of Wilmington that had been just a preaching stop along the way for circuit riders became the home to an official Methodist church that would be named Front Street Methodist Church. There's the artist's rendering of that. I hope you'll avail yourselves of all these pictures we'll be referencing after the service. It was a challenge to get it going, but yet there it was. Shipping and the railroad were big during those early years. It was a challenge of a civil war. Wilmington did not escape the challenges that war brings. In fact, one of the major turning points of that war was when Wilmington changed hands. This being a major port and supply line was a major shift in the war. But grace was right here. Witnessing to Jesus Christ through it all. In 1898, the town government of Wilmington was overthrown and some 100 citizens of Wilmington died in the streets and more than 1,500 fled the city. But grace was here and did not run in the face of challenge. There was a first world war. There was a Great Depression. Hadn't too long come out of the Great Depression before there was a second world war. Grace was here. Other buildings were built. You, you see the, the Front Street Methodist Episcopal Church was shifting of denominational alliances and, and unions of different branches of the Methodist family. There's your second picture over there. And then eventually your third picture is the church that existed on this lot until 1947. On March 21st of that year, there was, and I've heard various opinions over this, whether we've had three or four fires. I know the historical marker out on Grace Street uh, near our sanctuary says we've had four fires. This was the last, notice that word, this was the last fire. 
Can I get an amen from God's people on that? This, the last fire in the history of grace. In fact, one of the pictures is the fire in progress, if you'll note. A challenge. What to do now? There was discussion of moving Grace Church to another part of town, but the decision was made, no. God needs our witness downtown. You might be interested to know that Walsh Hall, part of our building that survived that fire, is still here with us today, over 100 years old. But that fire led to the building of this beautiful sanctuary that we know now. In 1960, the Southern Coastline Railroad moved its headquarters from Wilmington to Jacksonville, North Carolina, provided economic challenges to Jacksonville, Florida. Right town, wrong state. Moved it to Jacksonville, Florida. An economic challenge for the town of Wilmington and also for Grace Church, but Grace did not run. It stayed and faced the challenge that that day brought. We stand, as we sit in these pews, we stand in the history of people who have not run from challenges, who have been determined to witness for Jesus Christ right here, right now, whatever the challenge of the day might be. And God has blessed. There have been blessings all along the way, but not in the absence of challenge. In 1998, something interesting happened in the history of this church and Sunset Park United Methodist Church. In the summer of 1942, the Wilmington, let me be sure I get this right, the Wilmington Methodist Church Extension Society met in the summer of 1942. They petitioned the North Carolina Conference of the Methodist Church to start a new congregation in the Sunset Park area of Wilmington. They had already contracted with a deaconess of the Methodist Church named Mary Nichols to start that work on September 1st of that year, which she did. Per property was purchased, Mary Nichols went to work, and a pastor of that congregation, Kelly O. Ingram, was the first pastor. A picture of Kelly Ingram in the first building of Sunset Park Methodist Church is over here on one of these easels as well. In 1998, they decided to join strength together with Grace United Methodist Church and Sunset Park United Methodist Church. And that strength of joining together has indeed proved to be a blessing to us all. Grace has been blessed, but not in the absence of challenge in the presence. In fact, I found this interesting statement when I looked up the history of Grace United Methodist Church on the website of the North Carolina Annual Conference. And it had this to say about us. It says, the years have not been uneventful for Grace Church. Always during periods of challenge and satisfaction, some force or some crisis has created the necessity for concentrated effort for taking the next hurdle. 
and grace has. God has blessed richly in the face of challenge, not in their absence. But you know what? That's how God works. That's what God does. Sometimes we lapse into this thinking as individuals, as groups, that, man, once I get, th once I get this hill behind me, once I'm on the other side of this hill, oh, my goodness, I'll be blessed then. God doesn't work like that. God blesses his people in the face of challenge. Some challenges just happen. Church fires and this challenge or that. It just happen just as part of moving through this world. We get up in the morning and some challenges are just there. God doesn't make all of them happen. But God does intentionally through his scripture invite us to face some challenges. And promises us blessing when we meet those challenges. The tithe is one of those. The tithe is an old word. It means one-tenth of something. A tithe, for our purposes, from the Old Testament and into the New, is one-tenth of our income given to God. Now, let's, let's agree. That's a challenge. That is indeed a challenge. And we wonder why. Well, the tithe, first of all, is God's idea. Leviticus. God tells us in chapter 26 to tithe. Our scripture for today, God joyfully, joyfully challenges us. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. God says, that's what I want you to do. And in so doing, just prove me. Put me to the test, the scripture says. Because if you will do that, then God says, I will do this. You bring in the tithe. And I will bless you. I'll pour out on you a blessing that you won't be able to fully contain. God challenges us to meet the tithe. Now, sometimes we think about the blessings being materially. I know there's some teaching in, in some areas of the large family, the Christian church, that if I'll give more, I'll get more money. Well, it doesn't always work that way. But God's blessings are always there. I thought just as a testimony that Julie and I would share the blessings that we have found in moving towards tithing. Now, let me be confessional and say this. There were years where we just couldn't tithe. I mean, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't in place for us to do. So we did what we could. I understand how that works. And we could not move from where we were to giving the full tithe, the full 10%, much less the offerings, which are beyond the tithe. We just couldn't do it. It just wasn't there. So I say, share that to share with you this. I know how that works. If we're at half a percent, start there. God's grace invites us to start there. If I'm at half a percent, can I move it to 1%? If I'm at... 1%, can I move it to 2 or 3% with the idea of moving it towards the tithe? Start where we are. Now, here are some of the blessings that we have found. I just want to mention a few up, and then we'll be done, and then we'll go eat lunch together. Here are some of the blessings that we have found in increasing measure as we moved towards the tithe, as Julie and I did. One blessing was this. As we see the ministry that happens because of the giving, 
in increasing measure, as I move towards the tithe, we begin to feel like, wow, we get to be part of that. When we see the mission trips, when we see the children in ministry, when we, when we hear the music ministry, and we see the outreach ministries of the, of the church, we got to feel like, wow, I am a part of that. I'm helping that happen. I got to feel that. And there's a blessing in that. Thank you so much for your giving, wherever you are in relation to the time. You help make it go. You help, you are part of making it go. The tithe is really not so much about making the church go, though that's important. That's just a happy accident. The real purpose that God invites us to in the tithe is our blessing. The way we get increasingly blessed, and and it's true, I can't tell you how it works, I just tell you that it works as we move, journey towards the tithe. There's something about giving. Here's another blessing we found. There's something about giving sacrificially that causes a joyful heart. Well, why give them my energy, my time, my resources? When I could have done something else with that time, when I could have done something else with those resources I give, and when I sacrificially give it to bless someone else, that leads towards, towards joy. Let me read to you what Darshan Goswami says. I don't know this person's religious bent, but it sounds like a very Christian concept along the concept of our notion of joyful giving. Darshwan Goswami is an electrical engineer who works with the United States Department of Energy. And Darshwan says this, truly giving from the heart fills your life with joy and nourishes your soul. We found that to be true. True joy lies in the act of giving without an expectation of receiving something in return. Academic research and thousands of years of human history confirm that achieving meaning, fulfillment, and happiness in life comes from making others happy and having less focus on myself. It's been my experience, Darshwan says, that when you're focused on giving to others, you're less likely to become consumed by your own concerns and challenges. Giving provides an opportunity to look beyond our own world and see the big picture. The act of giving kindles self-esteem and brings happiness. Giving is one of the best investments you can make towards achieving genuine happiness. You'll find that the more you give, the more you'll receive. And Julie and I have found the joy of that as we journeyed towards the tithe to be true. Here's another blessing we found. The financial discipline that it takes to adjust my life, and we had to adjust our life, some of where our money was going and what we were spending on to, in order to get to the tithe. The financial discipline that we engaged in to move towards tithing spilled over into other areas of our financial life. We found ourselves more disciplined in other areas, more vigilant in other areas of our life as well. That's been a blessing. Another blessing, moving towards the tithe that we found, that it frees us from addiction to things. How often do we think and how easily do we think that Having more stuff is going to make my life better. 
I've engaged more than my share in that way of thinking over the years, but the truth is that it doesn't. We've had an interesting conversation, Julie and I have, over the years. We have the family gatherings at both Thanksgiving and Christmas. Over the last number of years, we have really come to enjoy the Thanksgiving gatherings with families more than the Christmas gathering. And here's the reason that those gatherings are a blessing blessing to us. It's not consumed with stuff. We get together, we eat, we enjoy one another, and, and we watch football, and Julie always picks the winning football teams, and I never do year to year. And then we have a great time with folks around us, and then we go home at Thanksgiving. It's less about stuff, the way we play that forward. Less addiction to stuff is a blessing. Another blessing we have found that giving, moving towards the tithe, sacrificing our life in that regard is an astounding act of worship. It helps you remember in that giving how that God first gave to me. We give happy action and it supports the church, but the real reason for our giving is remembering what God has first given to us when he sent his only son to die in our place on the cross. It is not an accident that when we take up the offering every Sunday and we place it at the cross. It's our way of saying, Lord, I remember. I am so grateful. I remember. When I think of what God gave for me through Jesus, all of a sudden the tide, though still a challenge, doesn't seem quite as hard. And becomes something that I don't have to do, but I get to do. As a tangible way to God to say, thank you, thank you for what you've done for me through Jesus. God blesses his people not in the absence of challenge, but in the face of challenge. We'll invite you to move towards tithing. For those who are there, thank you. For those that are on their way there, thank you. Just the same. We pray God's continued blessings on you as we move towards the tithing. God's promise is true. You just just try me, God says. And just see if there aren't blessings there. That is God's promise. That is God's word. If that's the case, then let's continue to move there. Blessings await. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, all God's people together said, Amen. Amen.